just say a prayer right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come into your presence. We ask you, Father God, that we may decrease and you may increase in each and every one of us, God, as we receive, that we open up our spiritual ears unto tonight, Father God, that we receive this rainbow word from you, Father God, that we receive, God, this awesome word that you've given us, Father God, in this time, in this season, God, to stand up as true leaders in this society, Father God. We come against every imaginative thought, every work of the enemy unto tonight, Father God, and we give you total honor and praise. Somebody say amen. Come on, did you come expecting from God? Did you come expecting that God was going to touch your life? You see, there's, there's, many, there's many different different ways to describe expecting, but my favorite way to describe expecting is to understand like a woman who's with child. And God has an anointing within your life that you are ought to expect to give birth to and that the things you are going through in your life are the contractions of the Holy Spirit that you are about to give birth to an awesome blessing from God. Somebody say amen. Tell the person next to you, you're pregnant with the Holy Spirit. We are impregnated tonight. I thank God that he's raised up like-minded men of God like Bishop to rise up and to, to, to join together this brotherhood of churches that we can truly hear from God. I want to talk to you tonight. I want to talk to you tonight from Judges chapter 16. I'm talking about Samson tonight. You see, I had a really cute and pretty message. I was going to preach Gideon, Bishop. I was getting ready to preach Gideon. It's time to get out the wine press. Oh, you mighty men of valor. It's time to hop into the threshing floor on top of the mountain where the world can see you. God said, I was on prayer Friday night, and God said, I don't want you to preach that. And I said, that's not you, Lord. That's not you. God, I have this message done. It's Friday. Don't play with me now. And God said, I want to preach Samson because I want to show the people who will be assembled tonight that it's never too late to reset your life. I want to talk tonight about total reset in your life. Come on, turn with me in your Bibles from Judges chapter 16. And I'm going to start at verse 15. Judges 16, verse 15. Just say amen when you got it. If you ain't got your Bible, sit next to a Christian. Somebody say amen. And the word of the Lord says, in, starting in verse 15, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to the point of death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. And if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Verse 18 says, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she, went, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. 
His strength left him. You may be seated. His strength left him. You see, Samson, his entire existence was a miracle in and of itself. His mother was a barren woman. Judges 13 speaks of how she went to the temple and she cried out to God and God gave her a son. Somebody say amen. amen. His accomplishments are, are known to many of us. He, he killed 30 Philistines at one time and then he went on to kill a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. This was a man with unparalleled strength. A man that if I saw, I would go the other way. He took and they locked him in his city. He picked up the whole gate, post and everything. And he walked out and he climbed the gate and he put it on top of a mountain. He took everything and put it on top of a mountain. Hinges, doorposts, everything. I would have been really upset living in that town. Somebody had to bring it down. But you see, Samson... Through all his accomplishments, he killed a lion with his bare hands. Through everything, Samson had what Ross calls a proclivity. And Samson's anointing and his blessing in life did not rest in his ability to make moral decisions. But yet in the midst of his anointing, Samson found himself completely weak. Can, I can somebody testify to that? And maybe sometimes you're operating under the unction of the Holy Spirit, but you're having some storms in your life. You feel like if you're about to be shipwrecked on a beach called hopelessness. Can I talk to you tonight? Can I tell you that sometimes when life comes your way, you have to understand the enemy is after your anointing. You can be the best preacher, the, you can know the word of God the best. He don't care if you know the word of God, but if you operate with an anointing, because the anointing breaks the yoke of sin. So when the anointing breaks the yoke of sin, you now become a threat to the enemy. So when you are a threat to the enemy, he has to take away the anointing. That's like when you talk to somebody off the street. They know the word of God. Half the people outside my neighborhood know the word of God better than I do. They, the devil knows the word of God better than you do. But he don't speak it with anointing. When you worship God, all their praise and worship is you musicians. It's not enough to have good craft, but to have an anointing. To be able to say, you know, I'm doing this because I want to. Because I love him. Samson had the anointing in his life. He was a child of destiny. He was made a Nazarite from the day of his birth. He had a vow of separation before God. And here he finds himself in the arms of a paramour, an illicit lover, something he should never have been attached to. And I want to ask you today, do you find yourself, whether great or small, attached to things that you have no business being around? I'm not going to leave you in the valley, Ross. Pastor, I'm not going to leave you in the valley. Do you find yourself at times of your life completely encamped by the enemy? You see, Delilah asked him three times the source of his strength. And each time he lied to her. Three times he made a fool of her before he set his mind to let go of the very symbol of his covenant. The, the hair on his head was not the source of his strength. You see, just like Samson, the children of God live an extraordinary life, redeemed from sin by grace, indwelt by the Spirit of God, privileged to hold the Word of God, and able to fellowship with God through prayer. Somebody tell the person next to you, you are blessed. You are 
Our lives are marked by victory and advantage simply because we claim the cross. Things which we do so often that we've come to take for granted like prayer, witnessing and getting blessed by God. Those things are the things that prove that God is in your life. So the Philistines went to Delilah. And Delilah here represents anything in your life that is taking precedence over God. Anything in our life that can take precedence over you being a leader in your society. And they offered her 5,500 pieces of silver to, to, to do Samson. You got to understand the Philistines were afraid of Samson. Tell the person next to you, the devil's afraid of you. <laughs> Come on, say it like you mean it. The devil's afraid of you. And time after time, we find ourselves in situations like Samson where we've allowed a Delilah and we've lied to the enemy. And the Bible says that every time Samson got up, he went down to business as usual and he defeated the Philistines that were trying to subdue him. This happened three times until she nagged him to the point of death. The enemy is after your life. He will hound you and nag you to the point where you can't take it anymore and you give in and you succumb to the sins that so easily beset us. Can I preach it? Is that all right? And we succumb to the things that so easily beset us. And finally, Samson reached a point where he said, I can't do this no more. I think I love her. Mind you, Delilah was not his wife. He was not married. He had defiled his covenant. Samson had already done. He sinned every which way possible, but yet the anointing remained on his life. He broke every Nazarite vow except for cutting his hair, but yet God works in his life. You see, the, the, God's still going to work in your life on behalf of the people around you. You see, I told, I told the church once down south, I might split hell wide open by preaching because I'm not living what I'm preaching sometimes. See, men of God all across the nation are going to split hell wide open. It's not about what you preach. It's about what you practice. I heard somebody tell me this. I'm not going to practice what I preach. I'm going to preach what I practice. Because when I preach what I practice, I'm preaching in a lifestyle that I'm living before God that is holiness, righteousness, uprightness. I'm going to be preaching on some. Go sit down, Ross. I'm going to be preaching on what God wants for my life. Can I get a witness? I'm preaching on what God is doing in my life. Verse 20 says this. After she shaved his ear, she called and Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the spirit of the Lord had left him. I've heard many commentaries rate, rate this as the heaviest scripture in the Old Testament. That we get to the point where we don't realize that we've compromised so much that we've gone too far this time. And we've gone to a point where we can no longer get back without the help of God. And maybe you don't understand why this time you failed and you thought you would get up and walk out of that relationship as usual. You thought you would walk out that club as usual. You thought you could drive home drunk that night as usual. But yet God said, I can't do this no more. The spirit of God is taken away from Samson and he finds himself bound up. Come on, don't get super saved on me tonight. Can I ask somebody, do you find yourself 
as if God has left you sometimes? Do you find yourself wondering, God, I know I've made some mistakes, God, but don't let these mistakes define my character, God. Do you find yourself in a place where you are saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I do know that I've been messing up, God, and I've been compromising. I've been compromising, God, but I need to. I need to get back to the holiness of my life. Verse 21 says, the Philistines seized Samson. They gouged out his eyes, took him to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him grinding in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. They gouged out his eyes. The enemy is after your vision. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 29, excuse me, Proverbs 29, verse 18, without vision, the people, they perish. They perish. The original context of that word perish does not allude to death. It's really talking about you are uncovered. It talks about you are naked. And without vision, you will succumb to the attacks of the enemy because if you can't see past your circumstances, when you look past your circumstances, at the solution, somebody say the blood. The enemy is after your covenant life with God. You see, I can preach this to myself tonight. I've been at points where I felt that I could not go back anymore, where I've compromised the covenant in my life. I'll be so bold and honest and transparent as to say I found myself at point in times in my life and in my ministry where I have found myself succumbing to the, to the issues and to the sins and the temptations of this world. And I sat at home and I said, God, I don't even have a vision for my life anymore. Samson at this point has lost everything. Somebody say everything. Come on, say it like you mean it. He's lost everything in his life. And I sat there and I said, God, I've lost some of my closest friends. I I lost my father a couple of years, a year and a half ago. And I said, God, you know, I've lost my vision. God, I've fallen again. I've fallen into this temptation and these sins that get to me. And and, and, am I talking to myself? I know y'all just either feeling guilty or quiet. And I said, God, you know, I don't understand. I'm going to talk to the musicians. They're smiling. I don't understand how I can be so anointed sometimes when my life is such a mess. And I don't understand how I can do the things that I do when, in fact, I have no vision because I've compromised the covenants of my life. We okay, Elder Simmons? We all right. And we've compromised. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I've allowed the enemy to cut my vows. I'm going to, I said, God, I don't know where I'm going to go from here, Father. There was one night I I was at the point of suicide. I told my church this story. I've dealt with a demon of suicide in my life for some time. And one night at about four in the morning, I was driving around. And my proclivity used to be, my proclivity used to be smoking cigarettes. And that was a thing that comforted me in my depression. And I went to the store and I was, I was looking all around my house for, for spirit change because I didn't want to buy a pack. I wanted to smoke some Lucy's. <laughs> y'all act like y'all never smoked a Lucy before. What's that, Pastor? Don't play that with me. So, Newport's, exactly. Newport, huh? That's what I used to smoke. You see, and I went to the corner store and in the process of me looking for money, I found a CD in my father's desk. 
Of all places, I'm looking in my dead father's room to get money to buy cigarettes. I was defiling my body, my house, my car. And I put it in this CD by David C. Paul called God is in control. I looked at the title, all of them was laughing, God's in control. And I went and I brought a bunch of cigarettes and I'm driving around Fairfield in East and deep in the woods and I am smoking cigarettes, listening to a preaching, go figure. And I said, you know, I don't know where my life is going. And I didn't realize it at this point, but the devil had got in the passenger seat. <laughs> and I heard a clear as day in my mind. He said, Pastor, drive your car into the nearest tree that you see. At the moment I got that thought in my head, the preacher on the CD said, and the devil thinks he can get in the driver's seat of your life. And the devil thinks he can tell you to take your life. You don't believe me? Go online, buy the CD. And I had an encounter with God and I stopped my car and I, I was shaking like a baby. And I drove my silly butt home. And I went to sleep. Got up the next day, did the same thing I always did, compromised. Because sometimes an encounter with God, you see, we, we love God. Give me a visitation, visitation. But I believe in habitations where God comes to live in my life. Don't visit me. I don't want you to visit me, God. Come in my life and live inside of me. Change me from the inside out. Change my life. Change my character. <clears throat> Samson tainted his call. He poured new wineskin into old wine. Or new wine into old wineskins. He defiled the covenant many times over. I'm going to tell you something that's going to be so awesome. Somebody say awesome. awesome. God is going to allow the devil to do things to you that you would never do that you need to do. I probably confused you. I'm going to say it again. God's going to let the devil do things to you that you need to do that you would never do. You see, because the devil's an idiot. Am I lying? The devil's kind of dumb. You see, in Numbers chapter 6, and you don't have to go there. I'm going to tell you some interesting things of a Nazarite vow. Because they, they cut Samson's hair trying to strip the covenant. The devil seems to be taking your prayer life. He takes your worship. He stops you from praising God. He stops you from being able to be financially stable. The enemy is after everything in your life till you find yourself at a rock bottom, till you find yourself in, in desperate need of help. Am I talking to somebody? Is somebody struggling in this financial economy? Does somebody need a job tonight? Does somebody need God to touch your life? <clears throat> and it is written in Numbers chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. That when a Nazarite comes in contact with a dead body, as Samson, as we know, came in contact with 1,030 dead bodies. That the Nazarite himself is supposed to go to the priest. He's supposed to shave his own hair. He's supposed to reset the vows of God in his life. Did somebody catch what I just said? 
Did you understand that the devil simply put his life into reset mode? He took the covenant of Samson that Samson had so tainted, so made it disgustingly dirty. And he, he, in his effort to destroy Samson, he simply pressed reset. The devil thinks he's shipping things away. But what he's really doing is giving you an opportunity to come to the house of God empty with nothing in your life. Because he wants to go to you and just say, reset. Back to the beginning. I got to start from square one because I messed up. Tell the person next to you, it's time to reset. You see, Samson would have never given up that little anointing he had. Samson would have never turned around and said, God, I made a mess out of my life. So God had to allow for Samson's sins to get to the point where the devil had to strip it away. Where God said, now, now I can work with you again. Now I put it into reset mode. Now it's time to stand up and be a leader. Now it's time to stand up and show somebody where you came from. Come on, somebody say reset mode. You have to understand the process. The devil thinks he has you. The devil still stole your vision. But God gave you his divine vision. The devil may have stolen your strength. But God, he says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. You got to understand, Samson's greatest mistake in his life of revealing his anointing became his biggest blessing. God don't care what you've done. You have to understand that he is in the business of taking your mistakes and making them into successes. If Moses never killed an Egyptian, he wouldn't have encountered the burning bush in the wilderness. If Joseph never went through the, through the dungeons of life, he would have never made it to the palace. You see, if David had never became an adulterous murderer and slept with Bathsheba, he would have lost a kid. He would have never had Solomon. You see, God can take your worst mistakes and turn them into a success. Come on, tell the person next to you, you ain't gone too far. You ain't gone too far for God to bless you. Come on. And they put Samson to grind the corn. They were trying to humiliate him. In the country of Philistia, where the Philistines dwelt, that was a woman's job. And so here they have the mighty savior of Israel. The mighty man who, who was supposed to lead them out of captivity. The one who was supposed to deliver them. And they have him doing this woman's job. Grinding corn. And what you would do is you would just hold on to this thing and you would... Just walk in a circle. And his life was just so monotonous. And he walked in this circle and he walked and he walked and he walked and he kept on going. And this went on for uh, the historians recorded to be almost a year where Samson was going on. And he was around and around and around. And at some point, Samson said, God, I'm tired of my prison. You see, it takes a moment and maybe a preaching like this for you to understand that what you've been going through is that you're giving birth to a new covenant. It might take some time for you to understand that like it did for Samson because verse 21 at the end says this, but his hair on his head began to grow again. Understand that when it began to grow again, the covenant was being renewed. Come on, tell the person next to you, it's time to be renewed. 
And as Samson went around and around and around, I couldn't imagine the things that went through his mind. Maybe sometimes the things that go through your mind. When you're down and out and you feel like life has shipwrecked you. I gave a preaching in my church once because I was talking to my overseer and I, I was talking to him just this summer. And I said to him, I said, Pastor Phil, sometimes I just don't feel like getting up in the morning. I said, sometimes this call in my life is just too heavy. And half the time I don't even want to be alive and breathe another breath in my life. Come on, don't get super saved on me tonight. Sometimes I want to give in to all the different temptations in my life. And, you know, Pastor, sometimes I just, I don't know what to do. I feel like if every wave on the face of the earth has come against me, I feel like if I can't push past anymore. I feel like I've done everything and I've given everything and now I'm even losing stuff that I thought was of you. <clears throat> I said to him, I feel like I'm hanging on to this piece of wood in the middle of the ocean while the waves of life crash over me. And then I said this, what am I going to do? And I was sitting by the pool down in Alabama when he told me and it spoke something so simple but something so profound into my life I just I just told him all my my hurts my pains I told him that I was shipwrecked that I had nothing to do nowhere to go that I saw no land in sight there was no hope in my eyes I had lost my vision just like Samson you know what he told me he said, thank God for the piece of wood. Somebody say amen. That is wisdom. He said, without that piece of wood, you'd be drowning. I said, you're right, because I can't swim that well. <laughs> and without this piece of wood, and you may feel like if you've been holding on. But God's saying, thank God for everything. Thank God for the small things. <clears throat> Verse 23, chapter 16, we're still in Judges. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste to our land and multiplied our slain. Verse 25, and while they were... In high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. They made a spectacle of a man of God. I, I, I'm 23 years old, and I've been a pastor about a year and nine months, and I already know the enemy's out to make a spectacle of my ministry. The enemy's out to catch you up in drama in your life. I like the way my good friend Bishop Thompson told me, don't drag your drama into your destiny. I love it. The devil is out to destroy you. The Bible says in Genesis that, that sin crouches at your door waiting to devour you. The Bible says that the enemy, he, he walks around like a roaring lion looking, seeking whom he can destroy. Verse 26, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple. So that I may lean against him. And now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. 
Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me, oh God. Please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He said, let me get revenge. You see, you got to understand why Samson did this. You see, back to Numbers chapter 6. In order for a Nazarite who broke his vow, who was now trying to renew his vow, he would have to give a lamb. That was approximately the age of his separation from his Nazarite vow. And so because he was about a year into his captivity, Samson would have to give a lamb that was approximately a year old. You following me? But Samson had no lamb to give. And all Samson had, just like you, just like I, he said, Lord, here I am. God, I have nothing else to offer you but myself. I've made a, a mess out of my covenant. I've made a mess out of my anointing. But please, God, remember me now. Somebody say that. Remember me, God. God wants to renew covenants all over this church tonight. God wants to take everything that maybe in the past you made a joke of in your life. Because Samson then, he took a step of faith and he began to push those pillars. You see, he never knew if God answered his prayer until he tried exercising the anointing that he formerly had. So even tonight, if you give God your life, and you say, God, I've made a mess, and God, I've done some things wrong, but I need you to just rededicate me. You're going to have to leave and take some steps of faith. I don't know about you, but I've been reset in my life. I find myself with vision that I cannot even contain right now. Things that are just bubbling up in my spirit that I, I want to do for the kingdom of God because I understand that my covenant with God is now renewed into, the, into, into the, 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 my new walk with Christ. <clears throat> Samson almost paid the highest price. I heard my father give a preaching once and he, he entitled it, There's a High Cost for Low Living. You see, Benjamin Franklin, when he was a little boy, Benjamin Franklin... He was at a store, and he bought something, and he walked home, and the guy gave him some change for what he brought. And Benjamin Franklin saw a little boy with a whistle, and boy, did that whistle look fun. So Benjamin Franklin said, I will give you all the money in my pocket for that whistle. So the boy said, sure. So Ben Franklin, he played that whistle everywhere he went, until one day he found out that he paid four times too much for that whistle. And that whistle seemed to lose its charm. Ben Franklin wrote in poor Richard's own like, I don't want to play with that whistle no more. Because that whistle lost its charm. And he applied that saying in his life. When he saw somebody who was abandoning their family for political gain, he said, you're paying too much for that whistle. When, when Ben Franklin saw somebody who was abandoning their friends to try and gain money and and build up their wealth. He said, you're paying too much for that whistle. Come on, there's a high price to pay for low living. Likewise, when we as saints give up our anointing, 
<coughs> to dibble dabble in the things of the world you paint too much for that whistle when you decide it's okay to, to let the enemy in just tonight you paint too much for that whistle tell the person next to you paint too much too often we pay a great price for something that looks good you see, under the ocean, when a, when a fish sees some food, it looks good until he realizes it was bait and now he's the meal. It looks too good to be true. It probably is. Do not be fooled when the world offers you whistles. It's fun for a moment, Simmons. And then reality sets in that you paid a price way too heavy. And we find ourselves in the state. But we have to realize that when we find ourselves in this state of emptiness, that it's simply resetting your covenant. Romans 8 verse 28, for we know that all things work for the good of those that love him. What the devil meant to subdue you, what he meant to destroy you, it's simply become the very thing which God has used. To rededicate you. <laughs> I came tonight to tell you one thing simply. Reset mode. The devil thought he had you down for the count, but guess what? Reset mode. The devil thought he had stripped you of your anointing. Guess what? Reset mode. When the devil thought he destroyed your family and you couldn't take another step in the prison that you built for yourself. God came down off his throne and he spoke into your life. It's time to reset mode. When you thought you could do nothing else but lay down and die, you guessed it, reset mode. And when the enemy shipwrecks you on the beach of hopelessness, you guessed it, God's going to come along for what? Reset mode. Understand tonight that God is able. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and I'm going to end with this, so stand with me. I'm going to read this word, and I'm going to release you. Somebody catch this first four words. And God is able. Come on, say it like you mean it. God is able. Come on, say it like you mean it. God is able. To make all grace abound towards you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. So when you're in your prison, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. In all sufficiency, in all things that you need. Come on, grab the hand of the person next to you. God is able. I will live and not die. God is able. Tell the person next to you, God is able. It's time to reset mode. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Hey. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just reverence the spirit in this place. Come on, just listen to my words. Don't look at me. Talk to God right now. Find where you're at in your spirit. Find where you're at in your heart. And I want you to be honest with yourself and say, God, if I need a reset, let me know right now. 
If I've gone too far in too many areas, God, reset me right now. God, I don't want to take another step outside your will. God, I can no longer do this without you. I need you to reset my life. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you to the front. I want you just to raise your hand. If that's you and you're saying, God, I need a reset. I want you just to raise your hand. Come on, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Come on, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I need you to enter in once again and to take what the enemy meant for my defeat and to give me new life. Father, I need you to reset my life. Renew my vows because I want to love you more and more every day. Come on, Terrell, you got me? I want you just to keep your hands raised right now. I've given myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. Come on, tell them I give. I give myself away. Come on, lift it up. I give myself. I give myself just to you. Can you use me? Come on, I give myself. I give myself away. Come on, that's right. Somebody lift it up. Tell them tonight. I give myself. So you can use me. Come on, I give. I give myself away. Come on, lift your hands. Tell them tonight. Oh, I give myself. I give myself away. So you can use me. Come on, my life. Oh, and my life is not my own. To you I belong. Oh, I give myself. I give myself to you. Come on, somebody tell them, oh, my life. Oh, my life is not my own. Come on, lift it up to you. Oh, I give myself. Come on, one more time, tell them my life. Oh, my life is not my own. Only you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. I give myself away. Come on, somebody tell them in your own special song. I give myself away. Just so you can use me. Come on, lift it up one more time. I give myself away. Oh, Father, we give ourselves to you tonight. Just so you. Come on, right where you stand. Come on, tell them I give myself. Oh, I give myself away. Just so you. Come on, one more time, I give. I give myself away. Just so you. 
Come on right now. If you meant this with all your heart tonight, it's going to take a step of faith. Like Samson pushed away the pillars and he killed everybody inside that temple. He had the ultimate victory in the worst time of his life. Come on, do I have a witness today? Come on, if that's you, let's sing this again from the bottom of your hearts. Come on, lift it up all over this church. Oh, I give myself. I give myself just so you, God. Come on, tell them I give myself. Come on, tell them tonight I give myself. Come on, I give, I give myself away. Come on, tell them I give myself away. God, I'm abandoning my life so you can feel it. Come on, I give. Come on, I give myself away. I give myself away so you 